Welcome to the Decent People Podcast, a production of Decentral Media, where we're committed to telling the stories of the founders, builders, and visionaries who are creating a new decentralized economy and internet experience. You guys know it as Web3 or blockchain, but we're going to bring you the smartest and most interesting people in the space for intimate conversations that reveal their background, how they got into crypto in the first place, and what they're doing today to make a decentralized future a reality. Thanks so much for joining us, and check out our site at Decentral.io. Now, to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Decent People podcast by Decentral Media. I'm Stephen Ladin, your host. This week, I'm joined by Chevy Smith and Khalid Jones, the founders of the Ultimate Playlist app. Chevy, Khalid, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. You. As a matter of fact, Sim, can I say something before we get started? Yes. Um, so I knew it was decent people because I knew that's what it was, but <laughs> I also thought there was like a triple entendre in there. It's like descent people, like, you know, Web3 is sort of a descent, descending from, and then it's also like, like descent, like the scent, almost like a, a form of currency people. I, I saw a lot. Mm. It was very layered in there for me, Stephen. I think I think that's why the the founders chose the name for the layers for the for the triple entendres. You know, there's there's a lot to unpack uh, from from the uh, uh, choice. So I think they're they're going to be thrilled to know that uh, hmm. the the company name has made such a such an impact. I mean to derail us. It was just you can tell I've been thinking about this in preparation for talking. Clearly, about it. yeah, yeah, which is good, which is good. And 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 I think any good name prompts. Uh, you know, if it prompts conversation or or thought, is a is 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 a good thing. Which which might be a great kickoff, jump off point. You know, the ultimate playlist app. How, what is it? How did you guys come up with it? Why was that the name chosen? You know, maybe maybe let's just dive right in there. Which part do you want to take, Chevy? You, you go. Uh, I'll go with name. You go with what it is first, and then uh, I I'll I'll take the fun stuff about the naming portion. Sure. So the 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 ultimate playlist is an app. You can think about it as um uh as internet radio to start with, but internet radio where just by virtue of listening, you have the chance <laughs> to make money. Um, and so that's what it is. Forty songs a day are put to the, excuse me, put to the playlist. Um, and as you listen, you accumulate tickets towards towards raffle prizes. So, um, and there's various ways you can earn tickets. Um, uh, first, by listening to the songs. If you listen to um, half a minute of a song, you earn a ticket. If you listen to a full minute to a whole minute of a song, you earn a ticket. If you listen to the whole song, you earn. If you rate the song, you earn. So there's various ways in which you can earn uh, tickets within uh, within the ultimate playlist. And all the tickets you accumulate over the course of all the songs should you choose to listen are automatically entered at the end of the day into a raffle with a prize, a guaranteed prize pool of $2,000. So there'll be 18 winners between mm. $550 and they'll automatically um, be entered into that. So that's one way that you can win money on the ultimate playlist. The other way is something that we call the ultimate payout. And this is um, a chance to win $20,000 every day. So there's a guaranteed prize Whoa. pool of two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting it. We're getting deep into it. We're getting into it. <laughs> There's a guaranteed prize pool of two thousand um, dollars. That's a raffle style, uh, and then there is a drawing that happens at the end of each day. Um, think about it like Powerball or Mega Millions. It's a lottery style drawing, um, and if you get if you match all the numbers, 
then you then you win the twenty thousand dollars. Now, the way you earn uh, chances to enter into that is if you listen to at least thirty seconds of half the songs on the playlist, you get one entry. If you listen to at least thirty seconds of all the songs, you get three. So, at the heart of what the ultimate playlist is trying to do is create incentivized listening um, on on the side of the listeners, right? So, it's saying. Why would you listen and discover these new songs out of the goodness of your heart? Yes, somewhat, um, but also because you want to earn the chance uh, to to win these cash to win these cash prizes, and obviously uh, the the ultimate prize. And on the other side of that, the way that we ultimately look to monetize is we view this as a promotional platform. If you're an artist, um, then you can you can um, uh, work a deal uh, with us to have your song included as one of those forty. Uh, mm. And so for the artists. Um, they obviously get those ready-made ears for the listeners. They have this free-to-play game where they have the chance to win uh, money, um, and artists can or labels, promote, you know, whomever has an interest in that song um, will be able to promote it uh, to those ears. So we view it as a, a symbiotic relationship, and also one where that value exchange is something that's um, very upfront. This is, um, you know, we'll have editorial songs, songs that we just like on there, but it's an opportunity for artists of all stripes. Um, and I'll let Chevy get into to deeper kind of the crux of who we we think is going to really take advantage of it. But it's an, an opportunity for those artists to say, oh, you've got all those ready-made ears over there. Um, I'd like to get access to those. Chevy, before before you dive in there, uh, just a quick question, uh, Khalid. Is, is that is the process then by getting, and maybe Chevy, this is what you're about to, to say, is the process then to get a song or a track onto the app something is it like a pay to play is it is it trade is it how, how does that work yeah so um you know like we said that we will be able to have um and we will put you know just these are the songs that we want to play uh there but the the, the main crux of it is yes is that we, we want to be very uh direct with the artist to say like here is an opportunity to uh have put your promotional dollars towards playing the music in place okay. where Someone's gonna want to be able to to listen to it. So we we want to um, you know the, the the origins of this, and I'll let Chevy get deeper into it. Obviously, the origins of this is how can we create um, an opportunity um, for people to put the promotional dollars in the place where it's where it's most useful. And so you know we we make the um, equivalent to if you're walking through Costco, if you're walking through the supermarket back when we used to walk through supermarkets, um, <laughs> and there would be the person standing out there with the samples. Saying here, try this, and the, the the thing you just tried, it's in your it's in the freezer aisle right there. Um, and so people decided, what's the best way for me to spend promotional dollars for my food? It's to put it in people's mouths. And so we think that the best way for someone to spend promotional dollars for their music is to put it in someone's ear. Mm. Love that. So Chevy, I mean, maybe you can tell us a little bit yeah. more about how, how it all works and and how it all came to be. Absolutely. Well. Um... You know, the the essential thing to understand is that a form of this is going on, whether it's transparent or not, you know, as an artist for as long as time and radio has existed, there have been uh, currency exchanged in order for airtime, in order for that attention um, from the listener. So it used to happen with radio and, you know, there was a gatekeeper and there was one person, you know, deciding whether this song was good enough to go out to you know, all of these ears. And a lot of times those people were very influenced by, um, you know, fabulous cruises for their family or, you know, there was, it was, it was payola, sure. you know I mean? Like there were, there were lawsuits about it. There were big trials about it. 
Um, and then, you know, it wasn't that it disappeared after those trials, it's, it's continued and it's just taken different shapes and forms. So when Khalid and I first began down this, this path, trying to figure out um, alternative promotional tools, it was because we were our user. We, were, we had a small uh, development company for artists. We had teenage artists who were doing really innovative and, and fun um, work with their music. And when it came time to take it to the DSPs, you know, there's at this point, they're saying 88,000 songs per day going to Spotify alone. You know, that's not wow. even all of the different DSPs. So obviously there is just a flood in the marketplace. And so looking at an artist saying, okay, well, we've sent your song to the, the playlist directors. Now we just hope, and then not really having any other avenues with which to promote or to even give yourself more of a fighting chance or to affect that algorithm or to reach real human ears. Um, it was kind of like throwing money into the wind, you know? And, and so we reasoned at a certain point, I think, you know, we were like, well, we, rather than pay $5,000 to this, you know, independent music, playlist promoter and we don't really know there's no transparency in that and it's you know kind of a bottleneck i'd rather just go to a billy eilish concert and pay everybody a dollar to listen to the song you know and and i think even if we came away with like four percent retention that's 200 fans that are real mm. human beings who could really press like on the instagram who could really you know buy a hard ticket and so um, using kind of that methodology, it was it was really why hide the ball? Why, if if people are going to be putting promotional dollars towards getting fans to listen to their music, why are we having this gatekeeper get all of that money? Like, let's take it straight to the people, and and really, you know, we joked around about the naming, but one of the early iterations of the name was Playola because kind of <laughs> like really, you know, just like punk rock going at it, just saying like this is this is what it is. We're not being opaque about it we're not trying to be like you know uh in in any way hiding what's going on like the users know that their ears and their listening has a value the artists know that they want lean forward listening they don't want to be you know so they they do want to be song 63 on a 98 song playlist but they don't want to only be that you know they would like some concentrated listening as well so uh, the other thing is just the stratification of data. You just, as a as a middle class, working class artist, you don't have a team big enough. You don't have a you know a marketing budget big enough to go do test marketing of things and to really know what it is that you should be putting your resources behind. So we were in this position and understood these pain points and um, wanted to solve for them, which is all fine and good. Um, the real you know. I guess turning point was that Khalid was doing a lot of work with the Arizona Lottery um, as a consultant. I will get into his background, but he has a lot of uh, you know brilliance in game theory and 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 working in that world. So we were over here building these tools and figuring out how to gamify and incentivize the listening structure. And he knew about a lot of the excitement and um, kind of drive over at the lottery to do new things and innovative things. And so it was really Khalid who walked into Dantana's one night, like right after New Year's in 2020, and was like, yo, I think these two things go together, you know, and that was really the the aha. And, um, you know, it all it all kind of came together pretty quickly after that, knowing uh, kind of what it solves for for each party involved. And it 
is exciting for us because it is such a boon for the working class artist. And I think it is going to lead to certain artists having opportunities um, that they wouldn't otherwise have and, and songs getting chances and songs getting second chances. You know, I think mm. people are going to be able to throw some catalog in there and really test market it and maybe, maybe get a foothold for a song that never really got a fair shot the first time around. Was was the aha moment at Dantana's between the two of you, or was that a meeting that then things kind of crystallized? Was that the environment in which it's kind uh, of yeah, it was like pasta arrived, like, and it was uh, no, but it was like it. Khalid definitely, um, you know, had the had the lottery uh, expertise, and I was definitely coming from the the music business side of things. And uh, one of the the I guess wonderful parts of our our business partnership is the, our our strengths are really complementary in that so i mean i think it was it was really um you know that that moment is when it kind of crystallized and it's like yeah that, that makes sense if lottery digs it like this this could be very cool did you set out to solve the problem for yourselves and then realized it was bigger than you or like how did how did deciding on this uh, the ultimate playlist as the focal point you know really yeah. jump off I would say it was twofold, uh, Stephen, you know, and as Chevy mentioned, I had a relationship with uh, the folks over there at the Arizona Lottery who have been uh, at the forefront of innovation for uh, their field. Um, and every time that I would talk to them, it was, you know, how do we get closer um, to a, a younger demographic? You know, Arizona, along with a number of other state lotteries, are not allowed to sell lottery products online, if you can believe that in 2022, but that is that is the case. And so, you know, they're saying we still want connectivity to that world, right? We still live in a world where, you know, maybe 20 years ago, um, th there was you know, some monopolistic aspects as to what the lottery offered. But now, you know, at the rise of mobile games of the past 20 years, uh, the rise of sports uh, betting in the last really five years, um, three to five years, uh, the rise of, you know, freemium models within those uh, games. So now there's various pressure points put on what was traditionally um, the, the lottery's domain. And so they were saying, well, how do we just connect with them? Not necessarily having to sell them products, but just let them know that you know, we, we exist on, on par with um, the other entertainment choices uh, that they that they have. Because um, the lottery is cast you know, uh, in, in different lights, but in, in its, at its core, it's, a, it's an entertainment product that competes with the other entertainment products. And as Chevy and I were thinking about some of these, some of these issues, I said, well, maybe um, something that you're trying to solve for dovetails with something that that we're trying to to solve for as well. Um, and then we really uh, went went through a, a nice back and forth uh, with them over there. And you know, there's folks over there that are musicians themselves. Their uh, director of marketing, Chris Rogers, um, that, you know, was in a band does a guitar. When you're in meetings with them, his guitars are hung up um, in the, on his back wall. Um, and just the idea that you could connect a piece of culture um, and offer it in a model that's free to play, um, but still, and, and it's truly free to play, not freemium, not free to play, but until a couple of minutes and then we're gonna ask for your credit card, nothing like that. It, yeah. It's truly, truly uh, free to play. And, um, you know, yes, we're trying to solve a problem, yes, but, um, it was in conjunction with you know what the folks at Arizona State Lottery are trying to do, and and without their um, involvement, you know this doesn't exist in the way that it that it does today um, at all. Um, but then to answer your 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 music question on its face, it was it was also two things. One was um, 
yes, there is this issue with exposure. Chevy said 88,000 songs a day go up to Spotify. Even if you get on somebody's list, you don't know what number you are. Um, it, it, there's so much music out there. So can we put something in someone's hand where whomever is on that list is actually only one of, in our case, 40. So you're not wading through or sifting through all of the infin infinite choices that are possibly in existence. You're on this app for purpose-driven listening. Yes, it's incentive-based. Maybe you win and maybe you don't, but the songs that you are listening to are um, are on that platform and the, and the person who is on that platform, the, the artist that's on that platform, understands they're one of 40, not one of 88,000. So it's 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 increasing their exposure. The listener gets uh, subjected to some new music that potentially they'll fall in love with, and if not, there's an experience had by both parties that uh, you know is is unique and different and a little more targeted than you know the the current status quo. Yeah, and there were two and there were two things going on. One, what you know, Chevy spoke to the transparency already, but this idea it's it's not the idea the idea that. Um, uh, consumers today, listeners today, that they're unsophisticated when they're being marketed to or told to listen. That's out the window. Like it, we, we became, you know, we we sort of, you know, hatched out of the egg of unsophistication as consumers, you know, over two decades ago, if not more. Right? Like you have to go all the way back to the where's the beef days for like the subliminal. <laughs> so, so, so that's so that's that. So we thought we could really be direct, transparent and direct, I think is the, the the two that go together to say, how do we get to a place where yes, we can offer, um, we can offer slots on the playlist for promotional consideration, but then take some of that and then transfer it right back to the listeners. Um, mm -hmm. And and so where that value exchange is happening, um, but also it's transparently and, and, and directly happening. And that was really important to us. In terms of creating that transparency and understanding that transparency, how important is it that, you know, you both have musical backgrounds and, and uh, as you, as you said, Lee, that, you know, some of the other folks uh, that you work with also have uh, music backgrounds. How, how integral is that to understanding uh, the, the DNA of the ultimate playlist and how all the pieces kind of come together? I mean, I think it's, it's absolutely the DNA, like you said, I, you know, the, the wonderful, thing that I can I can vouch for that every step of the way working with the lottery these people love artists they love music they love songs um so it's it's just been a a joy and a pleasure to create this because it has been created with an artist in mind and I think we've all been in those positions so um for instance the the data that's available I think we've all been sitting there being like well I like this song but I don't know I'm too close to it like can I get a real read and so that's a tool that you know is usually relegated to the top performers at a label. You know, or you you really need to have somebody you know step in and say we're going to run a test group and that's going to be thousands and thousands of dollars. And this is um, this is something that allows artists to have access to to data so they can make smart decisions. You know, it's a really um, like every every artist now is their own little label, their own little music company in in most modern senses and so it's just kind of taking that marketing team and that marketing tool that was not for everybody and democratizing it you know another thing about the playlist itself and and kind of in its design is um some of the some of the things that happened because of the parameters and the um 
you know, things that we needed to do to satisfy licensing and to satisfy for the uh, lottery, you know, to make sure that that all the legalities are are covered also ended up being great things for the playlist. One of those being the fact that we have randomized playlist order. So a song that's number two for me will be song 27 for you and it'll be song 36 for Khalid. So it allows us to have a, a really, you know, equal playing field for all songs because nobody gets a head start because they were song three for everybody, you know? So the, even, mm -hmm. even the data that comes back um, has a real equal uh, opportunity and, and real uh, democratization to it that has us excited, you know, because I think uh, a lot of times it's, it's random luck who gets the big push and the big support behind them. And, and this kind of takes a little bit of that out of it. You know, it's, it's not Khalid or myself or anybody at the lottery deciding who gets to be number one on the playlist every, every day. It's the, the RNG, you know, we'll, we'll throw it in all different orders. So some of those things have, um, I think made us all really excited because we all have, have been in and around and been those working class musicians, you know? And it, it also sounds equally uh, as exciting to your point, since you have the incentivized system for both an artist to be excited that, Hey, maybe my track is number one this week and also for the users to be like hey i can potentially win some some cash here oh, from yeah. participating yeah yeah that's, that's absolutely right and and we wanted to make the incentives real as well um you know there's some things out there not not in the music context but um where there's you know hiding the ball or bait and switch or you know say that you can win x but it's it's really not there um and and we didn't want it to be like that at all and as a matter of fact working with the arizona lottery they don't they they can't have it like that right like that's, mm -hmm. right. that's the whole brand is that you come here for for chances for chances to win and so when I say that they are so integrally important to it, it's not not only just because you know they allowed it to exist in the way that it does today, but the very you know sort of fabric of their existence is such that people come to have winning experiences. Now, it doesn't it doesn't always happen, but that's the essential premise. That's why you engage um, with the, with that kind of product if, if if you if you do engage with that product. So to be able to offer that possibility from a winning experience and to combine that with a cultural experience of discovering new music, and then to combine that with the fact that you know people really uh, uh, do win that that that's the incredible side from the from from the listener side in making that um, a free to play free-to-play offering. So we're really excited about what it means for the, the listener. Um, and then equally excited about what it means for the artist because we're also, you know, I know we keep harping on this, but it allows us just to transparently say, hey, you've got an opportunity to reach all of these ears, not in a sort of not not in a in a way that is like, I want to differentiate it from we're DSP. Let's say we're a DSP, which we're not, and we'll get into the differences on that. Um, you know, we have X millions of users. And if your song's on here, then you're exposed to X millions of users. You're not, right? You're not, you're actually not exposed to X millions of, of, of users in an acute way. Um, in a theoretical way, you absolutely are. So as Chevy said before, this is a tool to be used in conjunction with everything else and not uh, as opposed to anything else. Got it. Sort of a, a, an accoutrement to the existing uh, processes that, that an artist might employ. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's yeah. a tool it's a tool in your toolkit. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, in terms of the uh, Arizona Lottery, 
how 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 are they positioned? You know, you, you talk about uh, uh, democratizing this this system. Moving forward, Web three, crypto. Is there a uh, a plan in place? Like, how ha- how is uh, the Ultimate Playlist app positioned for Web three success, crypto, blockchain, all that stuff? So I'm going to answer it in a in a in a sort of a simple way first, and then we can talk more sort of Web three theory. In the simplest way, there could be a version of it. Um, and and research is being undertaken momentarily to see whether or not there's an appetite for it. My 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 guess is that it'll come back that there is, but we could see a a future in which um, people say, I don't I don't want cash as my as my winnings. I, I want it in the form of cryptocurrency. Um, and and you know there's a lot of questions that go into that. You have to you know um, worry about which currency you're offering, obviously the stability of it. Um, so you'd probably stick to it with major. Then, you, you know, you have to worry about people have wallets. Can you get wallets? Are you responsible for helping? All, all, all that kind of, of stuff that will leave, leave to the side. But I could envision a vision of future, um, especially since this is likely to attract a younger cohort uh, where people say, no, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't mind um, seeing some of the winnings be in a form of cryptocurrency. And as far as the, the lottery itself is... Does it still kind of operate by a more traditional bureaucratic system? And, and you know, does does it have, as you mentioned, uh, it's, it's trying to attract that younger crowd. Do, are there sort of thoughts in place perhaps to merge the forward thinking nature of Web3 and crypto generally with sort of what the lottery is doing and how that all ties into the playlist? Yeah, those questions are those questions are certainly happening. Uh, you have to always remember that the the state lotteries are government agencies um, whose uh, rules and regulations are set by the legislatures of each of each of the states. The major the vast majority of the states aren't, aren't even in Web two world in terms of sales. Certainly in terms of pre- a presence. No, it's a, you laugh, but I'm I'm not. You know, it's it's, it's not a joke at all. Um, in in terms of the reality, most most can't um, accept payments um, for traditional lottery games. Um, online um, and those that can, um, most of them got that ability um, fairly recently within the last you know five or ten years or so. Uh, so this is something when you think about Web three, obviously that's where the world is thinking. Um, but and and those questions are happening internally. Do I see is it something that would happen soon? Not necessarily in that world, but there are a lot of very smart and intrepid minds thinking about what that question means for that industry. In terms of uh, that industry, you hear a lot about uh, businesses and companies entering the metaverse. Is I imagine it's it, it would be a similar uh, slower moving trajectory to, to one day hop on to pop on a VR headset and be able to participate <laughs> in say the Arizona State Lottery or, or even the Ultimate Playlist, or is that also you know, yeah, I mean, happening per, closer than, than perhaps, not. but, but even, you know, on, on, in, in, in their world, um, you know, we mentioned, uh, uh, Chris and that their, their whole crew, their, um, marketing and products, you know, when you listen to them talk about what the future of the lottery looks like, you know, Arizona and, and, and elsewhere and elsewhere, they are thinking within the bounds of what, um, they are allowed to do. And then pushing that from a technological perspective 
um, to ensure that what they are allowed to do, um, they're making the largest cultural connectivity between, you know, between the games and the extant technology. And so whether that's, you know, entering into the AR world, I, I see, I see uh, lottery and AR as a much quicker uh, route uh, than Web3, if, if for no other reason um, that people, I think, understand and maybe even have some um, some personal um, interaction with it in the past. When we start talking about uh, Web3, the even the terms start get confusing. You know, people start conflating cryptocurrency with the blockchain, right? Those are two different things. Um, I even, I, I, I don't know if you saw this clip. Um, Warren Buffett was talking recently about why he wouldn't want to own crypto. He's speaking specifically about Bitcoin. Um, but he says something, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something to the effect of, if you um, if you told me you owned all the farmland or all the apartments in America um, and um, and you were selling me 1% of that, I would like to check for $25 billion tomorrow. No question, no problem. Um, because those are assets that are income producing. He then goes on to say that if you told me you had all the Bitcoin in the world and you were willing to sell me one percent of it it was like i don't that doesn't do anything for me i can't do anything with that so even in that conversation i saw someone like warren buffett conflating an asset like a farm or an apartment with a currency like bitcoin right like it's it's so even at the highest levels it's a it's a sophisticated difference maybe um but to equate uh, Bitcoin, not to another currency, right? Like if I told Warren Buffett I had all the rubles um, in Russia and I was going to give him 1% of it, well, he'd just do a valuation, an, an exchange valuation on what that was and then go from there. He wouldn't equate it to a hard asset. So um, if we're if we're not, I won't say getting it wrong, if we're still having these sort of questions on nomenclature and meaning and the different things within um, the world of Web3 at that at that level, I think we're probably not looking at Web3 in the lottery like tomorrow. In terms of what we could expect in terms of <laughs> for, for the open playlist in the lottery tomorrow, do you guys have plans, uh, if, you can, if you can speak to it, to branch out into other state lotteries? And is, if so, is, is Arizona sort of the template? And, and well, are there other yeah. plans for that in the future? Yeah, yeah. actually, it's, it's launching nationally. So um, we're, we're a specific designation we're powered by the Arizona state lottery, um, gotcha. but it is not a, an official state lottery game. So it, I, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, Khalid's the, the attorney among us, but, um, <laughs> but it, actually it, uh, it allows them to launch nationally. So uh, cool. as far as that's, that's kind of what makes this potentially so powerful is because to have a national user base um, is, is what makes it, valuable for the artists um it makes it valuable for artists in other markets you know if, if you're a band in the uk or you're in australia and you're you're gonna come over here and tour it's a great way to introduce yourself to some some us based human listeners you know like it's definitely not going to be bottable we have you know anti-automation systems and you know a lot of the things that we we have done um that we probably would have done regardless of anything but especially because we have the um high bar of quality of working with the lottery on this um means that it's it's real humans with real hands who can really you know buy buy tickets and and uh you know tune into live streams and do all those things that artists need for support so um it is nationwide uh so it's it's kind of they're they're going big out the gate you know because it's specifically free to play 
um, it's it's available uh, nationwide. So it's not it's not a lottery product in the same way as a traditional like when you go to the store and buy a scratcher ticket or things like that. That'd be restricted uh, to the state. Gotcha. This is something that's being you know done by uh, the Arizona Lottery to try to create cultural connectivity um, to the lottery space, but certainly is not restricted geographically uh, to Arizona. That's that's super cool. So in terms of creating that cultural connectivity, while we're talking here, you know, again, we're talking about music. You guys each have your own individual musical backgrounds. Would there be any thought to using the same sort of system for movies, TV shows, stuff like that? So the answer is absolutely yes. So to the extent I used the term guinea pig early, to the extent that there's any guinea pig going on, it's just from an industry perspective, right? It's, it's in terms of we know um, that um, this exists in the music industry. I go back to Chevy stats on how many songs are put in a day. But now, you know, anyone, if you take any sort of tranche of the content world, the same issue exists, right? Like, I'm pretty sure there is some price that you would calculate that said, if I knew I could get 50,000 people to listen to a minute of my podcast tomorrow, that I would pay that for, right? Like there, there, there is an amount and there's a proliferation of podcasts. There's a proliferation of uh, YouTube content. There's a proliferation of books. Um, so anything now, you know, content is so much more ubiquitous than it ever used to be, um, which means that, but we haven't gained any more days in the month or hours in the day, which means all of our attentions are more fractionalized. Um, that may have also created a situation where, you know, younger people have, we, we claim that they have shorter attention spans. I really think that they have the capacity to get more information in shorter chunks of time than maybe we did it before. And so um, given that, they have the capacity to listen to a lot of stuff, but every every time your capacity to listen to more stuff or take in more content is growing, content itself is growing. So that's a really long and probably overly theoretical way of answering your question, which is, yeah, we do see that this has applications in other places. Anytime that you can incentivize, bring listeners who incentivize with people who want those listeners' ears uh, or eyes or attention otherwise, I think you're going to have a good case to use the model that we're putting on the Ultimate Playlist. Using uh, the Ultimate Playlist, getting involved, downloading it, how, how does one uh, get acquainted with the app and and on top of that, what are the plans uh, you know, moving forward that we can expect to see on the app in the, in the coming weeks and months? All right. Well, we are, the plans are to launch on July 18th. Um, so that's when it will be available to download for free from the App Store and from the Google Play Store. So we are on iOS and Android. So we're covering everybody on that. And uh, the Google Play uh, pre-registration should be up in mere moments. And uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but by the time this airs, it will be uh, in the pre-registration mode on both Google Play and on the App Store. Um, so you can go to you know the usual places and type in Ultimate Playlist, and it's going to be that uh, golden black icon pop up there. And that is really the extent of what you have to do. We don't um, ask for your firstborn. We don't ask for a credit card. We don't ask for anything like that. You know, we don't even. Uh, take your socials. We're not going to infiltrate your Instagram. Um, all of our data that goes to the artist is is randomized in the way that it's it's not certain identities. You know, we're very careful about respecting our listener and respecting our user. Um, so yeah, they go, they download it. Um, as soon as they create a profile, that 
that first song pops up and it's pretty intuitive from there. You, you give a rating, you add your Apple music to it so that you can uh, get those extra tickets and also so that you can, you can build your playlist native within Apple music. It'll just, you can just add songs directly there so that you can go back and, um, you know, listen later. And, uh, it's very, it's, it's very fun. We're in beta right now and we're having such a ball with it. And trust me, I'm so close to the dev. I should not be having so much fun with our own app, but it really, it's a joy. It's really fun. Um, it, it lights up, you know, that little competitive thing in you and it's, it's, it's truly a game, you know, and then you'll be like, man, but that song just like hit, you know, so it's, it's going to sure. be really, really fun. Growing up, did you guys ever envision that you'd be creating an app that has essentially major implications in terms of how we listen and consume music and, and what that means for the music industry as a whole. I, I mean, I think ever since Chevy and I <laughs> met this part of, you know, I, this is, this part is fun for me. Uh, most of my world um, is spent, you know, not being able to do fun music stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. And then, you know, this part of my world, uh, is and I think ever since she and I started talking about things like this, um, that was kind of the intent um, is to say, are there issues that we can we can solve in a, in a sense? So you know, early on we were talking about things that you could do in the streaming world. Well, how you know what can you do there? Can you pull people together? Can you have them you know? write songs right on the spot in 60 minutes and then record those songs right then and there for everyone to see. You know, that's that's pretty cool exposure. That shows how talented people are. It, you know, can, you know, can we, you know, have uh showcases uh for people like, you know, we we had these uh, live music so showcases, but they were all silent disco style. Um can you give artists exposure there? Um can you do something Chevy had an initiative that we didn't have we weren't able to execute because of the pandemic, um but can you have a, a weekly series that's, you know, focused on uh women uh, uh musicians can you you know so the idea that we would try to do something transformative with this is certainly the case and then you asked about um you know sort of next steps you know then you know thinking about can can blockchain technology for example transform the way that fans relate to uh musicians uh in terms of how they deal with uh things like uh fan clubs and concerts and you know can we create DAOs where people can pick the next song, you know. So, so the answer is yeah. Um, yeah. That's sort of the the, the way that um, we're thinking, and this is certainly uh, a, a great, great, great uh, first step. And then, you know, also you asked about next steps on the app itself. It's just everything that can add to the listening experience or the artist experience in terms of being able to promote themselves. So um, we'll be adding in new features all the time. We'll um, be adding in a feature sometime after launch that allows people, allows artists to, to provide a link that people are listening to the playlist. You click that link, you go wherever the artist wants to send you. So this yeah. is just underscored. We're not in competition with the Spotify, Apple Music of the world. We actually want to be able to help artists get people to those places where they can yeah. keep listening to them. Basically, since since we um, kind of started thinking in this direction, I think this became like, for me, this became the new like rock and roll. This became the new songwriting. This became, you know, like I'll write songs and produce songs until the day I die. But in a lot of ways, I think tech and innovation that has become the the 
place where people are, you know, smashing metaphorical guitars. You know, there's there's just crazy stuff able to happen um, because That's nobody my, knows where the limit is, you know? And so so for me, yeah, I, I'm so excited that we're at this place and this is the shape it's taken. But I think both of us have been really intent on, you know, following this and really going at it um, with a fervor. You know, like I would say in the last, you know, years, there hasn't been many days that we haven't been in the inquiry or we haven't been on lucid chart or we haven't been doing Figma or haven't been doing something for a lot of things that have not reached market and that maybe will in a different form now that, you know, this is this is coming out. But yeah, we have, we have a lot of, um, a lot of drive in this direction. And I think uh, it's it's become a new creative venture to figure out how to use technology and especially Web3 and, and blockchain and just all of the autonomy that that can lend to artists in the same, the same artists that we're, we're wanting to affect with this, those middle-class working class artists. Um, I think we're, we're pretty intense on having a bunch of tools out there that, that can help things along. It's, it sounds really cool, uh, the, the, both what you're currently doing with the Ultimate Playlist uh, app and certainly the future seems primed and bright to receive uh, the technology uh, in a really cool and impactful way. So Chevy Smith, Khalid Jones, the Ultimate Playlist app, looking forward to the launch. Uh, appreciate the time and uh, thank you so much for, for joining another episode of the Decent People podcast. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Decent People. Thanks so much for listening. Check the show notes for more information on our guests today. And make sure to look us up on the web at decential.io. That's D-E-C-E-N-T-I-A-L.io. And on Twitter, at Decential. Have a great day. <laughs>